You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us as we jump into our series called 180. One decision can change the direction of your life. A 180-degree turn sets us into a new future. Jesus really changes everything. Get ready. God is on the move. Well, welcome, everyone. I want to say hello on behalf of Emmanuel. If you're a guest, you've never been here before, welcome home. So glad that you could be here. My name is Nate, and uh, on this Good Friday, there are many different backgrounds that everyone comes from, and, and you're thinking about it from this kind of day from a different lens. If you grew up in the church, there's perhaps liturgical memories. There's perhaps memories of how your family handled a Good Friday. Some of you, you went to a midday service, uh, not an evening service, and others of you, you're like, you know nothing. And uh, you're, you, you came to church tonight, and somebody got you here, and I just want to help you kind of get up to speed so we're all on the same page. The uh, title of my message tonight is this, How Did We Get Here? <laughs> uh, you ever been in somewhere and gone through an experience It's really difficult to share with someone else that wasn't there with you? For example, uh, I, I got asked just a few weeks ago, so how did you end up in Minnesota anyways? And I had that moment in my head, and perhaps you've had that in your head when you're trying to explain something. You're like, how much do I tell? How much do I share? And how long do we have? And what do they really want to know? And by the way, have you ever had one of those people that you've talked to, and they're like, you asked them a question, and they gave you more than you wanted to know? <laughs> and it went way longer than you wanted it to go? So we all hit those moments, right, where you're like, I don't know how much to share. Well, for me, it went really fast. I just said, well, listen, I grew up in, in five different states, 21 different houses, and uh, most of my, my life was in Michigan, and uh, I graduated from high school, and I went to business college, and for two years, and while I did that, I volunteered in a local church, and uh, was involved with the youth ministry there, and then I realized that God was knocking on the door of my heart, that I needed to put more time into thinking about doing ministry, so I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota to go to North Central University and uh, studied to be a pastor. That's what originally led me there. And then I'm bought, how did I stay here? Well, that's a whole other part of the story because I started volunteering at a church called Emmanuel and I just kind of tried to keep it going fast, right? I started volunteering at a church called Emmanuel, met a girl that was from Minnesota. Now it slows down. And when you marry a Minnesota girl, you stay in Minnesota. <laughs> we got married and had four kids and uh, they were all dedicated at this church. And so we've stayed here. And now I've been in Minnesota for 31 years. So what I'm trying to do is I tried to give you the necessary information to get you up to speed, but I didn't tell you everything. And when we talk about a weekend like this, Good Friday, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, where do you start with the story? Why is Good Friday an important day? Why is Easter such a big deal? I want to get a, take a stab at kind of sharing the why behind this moment. Why is it a big deal? If you don't know anything about the Bible, the incredible storytelling, the instructions, the poetry, the epic prophetic text, it may feel difficult to understand. So let me take a stab at giving you a very simplistic snapshot of what led to the moment of Jesus' death. The Bible is a collection of 66 books, many different writers who were all inspired by God. 
to communicate to us, to show us how we are important and how God loves us. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. The first book of the Bible is called Genesis. And in Genesis, it shows us that God created the whole world. In fact, in the beginning, God had a relationship with the first two human beings that was connected. They talked to each other. And God gave them boundaries, things they could do and shouldn't do. And they went outside of God's boundaries. They missed the mark. And sin entered the world through the first man, Adam, and Eve, and Sin separated people from God and people from people and even people from themselves. The definition of sin is to miss the mark. They went outside of God's boundaries, and when you leave God's pathway, the creator, the designer, you miss the mark and something doesn't work right. The consequences of sin were horrific. Death entered the picture for the first time, and Bodies experienced disease and decay and anger and jealousy became a part of the human experience and leading to the first murder when a brother killed a brother. The incurable virus of sin was wrapped around the necks of humanity. It was passed from one generation to the next. In God's epic story in the Bible, we see how humanity became brutal. There were true stories of conflict. God sent a flood to start over. But the power of sin was not broken. It went on to the next generations. God sent prophets who delivered the law and instituted worship practice, practices to help them get back on track with God. Back in the Old Testament, there's a very important part of the Old Testament where God's law says that there needed to be an animal who would be killed and the blood of the animal would atone for the sin of Israel. It was a very important feature in the Old Testament because it tells us that sin, there's a penalty for sin. And that penalty causes us to need to pay the penalty. And blood covers for the penalty of sin. The only problem was in the Old Testament when they would do it, it was temporary. But the blood made a difference. Once Adam had sinned, there was nothing to stop sin from controlling people's lives. It was in charge. It was like the electric shock collar that some people have for their dogs. <laughs> controlling the behavior of the animal. And for us, sin began to control humanity. And we can see it in the power of sin in things like war, murder, crime, and human trafficking. In the financial world, the power of sin weaves its way into unethical and predatory practices. The biggest place that you can see the power of sin is in the anger of our society today. People against people, outrage, finger pointing. You can't have a conversation without the fear of stepping on landmines today. And all of those are out there. and We can critique the sin of the world around us, but the deeper power of sin is in here, and it's in the home. Sin can weave in to break up family relationships. Anger between spouses and parents and their children choke what could have been so much life. Addiction can pull a person away from the very people that they want to be. Porn and gambling and alcohol and drugs are nothing more than the sin and the shot collar of sin controlling people. 
I can see it on the faces of people everywhere I go. Rejection, hurt. How many know hurt people hurt people? But forgiven people also can forgive people too. But I see loneliness on people's faces. I see hopelessness on people's faces. Regret and the fear of death. And despite all the scientific advances and the significant therapeutic techniques and thousands of years of advancement, nothing has broken the power of sin. Human effort, I mean, going, doing the religious route and health and pursuing health and, and, you know, pursuing health is a good thing, but some people have made it into a religion. But it doesn't change what's on the inside. Even laws to curb behavior aren't changing the human heart. Some try to ignore God. Well, if I get rid of God, maybe I won't deal with sin. But that hasn't helped either. How did we get here? We got here because the endless cycle couldn't be broken. And now it leads to a moment, a crucial moment, where God decided that enough was enough. And he was going all the way to restore people back, to bring a reversal to the power of sin. That's what Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. See, there was no other option for God. He had to send his son. I love that famous verse that many have heard or seen it played at football games on a sign. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In verse 17 of John 3, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, the forces of sin in people's hearts led Jesus to a place, a brutal crucifixion on a cross. The crosses that we wear around our necks today, that wasn't the cross of Jesus' day. No, the cross was not a designer label or a styling fashion symbol. No, the cross was a brutal object of torture. The process of death included judgment by both Jewish and Roman governments with an unjust sentence of death, for Jesus had not sinned but he had to die as a sinner. And Jesus was beaten. His skin was shredded by a whip. And finally, he carried a cross toward the hill of crucifixion. Thorns on his head, wounds on his body, carrying the cross. In John chapter 19, the gospel writer tells the tale. He says, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. 
And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Verse 23, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them, and they also took his robe. But it was seamless, woven in one place from top to bottom. And Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head, and he released his spirit. This is the crucial moment of all history. The Latin for crucial is the word crux. It's the crux of every matter. And after this moment, everything would be different. It was a hinge, if you will, like the hinge on a door of history. For after this moment, new things were possible because of what Jesus went through. Sin cannot be removed from control by any other means than Jesus' death on the cross. You and I know this to be true. Sin is like the weeds in my yard that keep popping up year after year. I pull them, I kill them, I nuke them. I do everything I can, but they keep popping up. So every effort that I have doesn't change the situation. Only Jesus can take out sin. Only Jesus can do that. Not my effort, not my prowess, not my education, not my good looks. Not my money in the bank account, not the amount of friends that I have that tell me I'm a good guy. At the end of the day, my spouse can't kill sin for me. Only Jesus can take out sin. So the crux of the matter for me and the crux of the matter for you, the crucial moment in your life is really this moment. This is why Christians worldwide look back to the cross. It's not just a, a historical footnote that you're supposed to know about, like the signing of the Declaration of Independence. No, this is the moment for you personally that you would be lost without what Jesus has done for you. No one else had the power to defeat sin but Jesus we see Jesus in the gospel performing incredible miracles, healing blind eyes, speaking words of hope in the middle of darkness. But he really came to deal with the sin that ravaged humanity. It wasn't the temporary miracle that makes him so incredible, although those are amazing. It's this moment. On Thursday night of this week, he was betrayed by one of his disciples named Judas. They were sitting at a table, eating dinner together. We're going to have and commemorate communion a little bit later. But as they sat there, one of his disciples betrayed Jesus. And then Jesus was condemned to die by the Roman government. I've heard many people talk about, well, I'm not Roman, so I'm not guilty. 
or I'm not Jewish. It was the Jews that did it. Listen, our sin, sin did it, all of our sin. But Jesus still didn't have to do it. He willingly laid his life down for us. His death was voluntary. For it was only through his death that we all of humanity could be rescued from the powerful grip of sin and its destruction. It was just as the prophet Isaiah said it would be hundreds of years before the crucial moment. In Isaiah chapter 53, it says, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Wow. This is what Jesus did for you and me. Why? Are we here? How did we get here? We got here because we needed Jesus to rescue us. And he did. Come on, somebody. He did it. He went all the way. He didn't tap out right at the end. He went all the way for us. As we ponder the state of humanity worldwide today. The power of sin is still raging, but Jesus is still our rescuer. In the middle of despair and anger and frustration, Jesus died on the cross for all of our brokenness and pain. He physically bore our transgressions, the penalty. He endured the cross for us. See, Jesus is our hero. The Messiah has rescued us. And as a church, we don't glorify the building or the preacher or the historic person who paid for the building. We glorify one person and one person only. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's why we are here. And that's how we got here. Colossians chapter 1 says this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I love how the scripture says Jesus holds it all together. When you feel like your world is falling apart, Jesus can hold your world together. And he's offered you a seat at his table. You are welcome at his table. You might think in a room like this or in a church that's our size, oh no, there's more important people that Jesus would want at his table. That's not true. If you look at Jesus, he was consistently reaching the one no one else would pick. He would reach out to the one that was hiding behind closed doors because he cares about every single person. Turn to the person next to you and say, he wants you at his table. Throughout history, Jesus invites all kinds of people to join him at his table. Jews and Gentiles, men and women, rich and poor, political opposites. The kingdom of Jesus is for everyone. And he left it up to us to follow him, to trust in him. His disciples, think about this. All of his disciples heard every sermon that Jesus preached, and yet Peter still denied him, and Judas still betrayed him. You can be in the church, but not following Jesus. The beautiful part of that story, unfortunately, Judas chose in his shame to run away from Jesus and hang himself. But Peter, in his shame, Jesus came walking up to you on the shore and gently called him back. Listen, it doesn't matter how far you're away, Jesus calls you back to his table. You don't need to go Judas' path. You need to go Peter's path and humble yourself and go, no, he still loves me. I still have a Savior. How did you get here? Every one of us have a backstory. One thing has led to another up until this moment. And now we've come to church on this night to commemorate the crucial moment of history, the crux of our matter. And you have a choice in this moment about whether or not you're going to follow Jesus, whether or not you're going to receive the power of the blood in your life, the forgiving power of Jesus that cancels out every addiction, every stronghold, every sin, 
Only Jesus' blood can do that. You can walk out these doors and chase every other solution. Try to get approval of people. Try to get your body fit enough. You can try to chase every solution. You can numb yourself with drugs and still you will not find freedom until you come and bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Jesus alone sets the sinners free. Only Jesus does that. Today, I invite you to the table to sit and remember Jesus and what he did for you. To surrender to Jesus and let him destroy the power of sin inside. To remember what you've been set free from and to yield to his power over every other life controlling habit or sin. Jesus can save. Today, I'd like to ask you to do something. Would you close your eyes? right where you're at. Whether you're in the sanctuary or joining us online today, just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to give you a private moment because Jesus allows private moments. Last weekend at Emmanuel, we heard the story of a man who visited Jesus at night. Jesus is not afraid of secret conversations. But when you come to him, He's going to ask you to reveal yourself, to trust him, not your education, not your knowledge, not your self-control, but you have to trust in Jesus. And I know under the sound of my voice today that there are some who in your own story, how did you get here? There's stuff inside that you can't control. Perhaps sin is like that shock collar around your neck and only Jesus can break it. And you need to give up and surrender to Jesus in this moment and receive his forgiveness and his power over sin. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. I don't want you to leave under the same thing you walked in with. I don't want you to leave with the shame, perhaps, as you came in. You don't have to be perfect in church. There's nobody perfect here tonight. But we can all be forgiven. We can all have a loving and good shepherd guide us through our life who forgives us and restores us and gives us purpose. And tonight, if you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back to him, I want to pray with you in this moment and surrender to Christ. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment, but I I just keep this private. Nobody's looking around and you say, Pastor Nate, truth be known, sin's got control of my life and I need Jesus to save me. I need the blood of Jesus to break the stronghold of sin in my life. I need what happened on the cross to happen and be be released in my life tonight. And if that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need to come back to him. Yes, 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 yes. I'm giving you a moment. Maybe you once walked with Jesus and you need to come back and surrender to him. Don't run your life your own way. Yes, 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 yes. I've counted 17 people giving their life to Jesus tonight. Anybody else? Yes, 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 yes. Mm. I want to lead you in a prayer because I just believe right now you can give your life to Jesus and he will hear your prayer. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just repeat this prayer out loud, but talk to Jesus, not to me. And mean it from your heart and everybody else you can join right in. Say, Jesus, 
thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. And then you rose from the dead. And I know that you're alive. Tonight, I surrender to you. I'm yours for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, uh, I want you to keep following him. I also want to invite you to, to participate with communion with us tonight. If you all take out your cups. And uh, our door host might have some more. If you didn't get one when you came in, just wave your hand. We've got some people that are coming down that can get you the cup, the coffee, creamer cups, whatever you want to call them. And if you need help, by the way, some people have a hard time sometimes with the top cellophane. We're going to take the bread out first. Don't be uh, shy about asking for help for the people around you. I think it's interesting on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says in the scripture. Jesus looked at the community of people that he was at the table with. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I want you to consider Peter was at that table. So was Judas. But Judas had already betrayed and set in motion. He had already yielded to sin. If you feel any form of guilt or feeling sorry about your sin, that means the Holy Spirit's still active in your life, okay? And if you find yourself in this moment, I want you to have great hope that Jesus is at the table and he can make you whole. And when he took the bread, he said, and this was ahead of time, this is before he had died on the cross, he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he told them to eat it in remembrance of him. But I want you to consider tonight that every time Christians gather anywhere in the world, they're gathered in, in, in secret in some countries right now where it's illegal to be a Christian. They're gathered around the world in caves. They're gathered in homes. They're gathered in churches and cathedrals. They're gathered in, in uh, ornate places and they're gathered in humble places. But where people are gathered, they all gather around Jesus. And that one crucial event on the cross broke the power of sin on our life in 2022. And if you're in a place right now where you are experiencing brokenness in your physical body, by his stripes, we're healed. Or if you're in a place where you have brokenness in relationships, and you're like, I don't know how to put it back together. And I say it all the time, but only Jesus knows how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, right? He does it by his miracle working power. And if you want to trust him that broken things in your life will be made whole, I want you to stand right now in faith, trusting that what Jesus did 2,000 plus years ago, he will bring that healing to your body. You'll bring it to your relationships. Father, we come before you and we trust that, Lord, that everything that was written was true, but we ask that you would apply it in this place tonight. 
that, Lord, you would heal sick bodies in Jesus' name. We trust you for that. By his stripes, we are healed. We believe that even tonight in Jesus' name. We also pray, God, that you put broken and fractured things back together again. Some people have lost their mind, literally. I pray that you'd put an emotional, mental world back together again. Lord, some people have lost their families because of decisions they made. Put it back together again, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let us eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That same night, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out or spilled out for you. I want you to think about that blood. What can take away or wash away my sin? Nothing but the what? Blood of Jesus. There's no other source, no other place to go. You can't get it on Amazon. Come on. It's only to Jesus. And tonight, the blood of Jesus can and will break the power of sin in present tense in our lives. Our hope is in the blood of Jesus. When Jesus' blood flowed off the cross and off his body, and it hit the ground, it hit cursed ground. It was cursed in Genesis. But when Jesus' blood hits cursed things, fruit begins to come out of that ground again. Blessing comes out of places that once were cursed. And he can make us brand new, amen? And I just believe that tonight, before we drink, that Jesus is gonna make your mind fresh, your spirit fresh, and there's a new beginning, a new story in every person's life. Those of you that just gave your life to Jesus, and you pray that salvation prayer, the blood of Jesus has now set you free. You are white as snow, clean. You better watch it, I'm gonna start spilling over here. Here we go. Let us drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll be able to put those cups aside here for a moment, but I just want to encourage you, church, a celebrating church around Jesus. He's the center. He holds it all together. There's no room for anybody else but Jesus on the stage. Amen? The stage of our heart. He is the centerpiece, the joy of our salvation. Church, lift up your hands to heaven right now. Don't think about yourself. Look to Jesus, the author and the, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. We look to you, Jesus. You're our hope. You're our peace. You're our joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, by all in all, here in the love of
that right now. Give you my all, give you my everything. Because he gave it all, he gave it all for me. Oh yeah. Let his love wash over you right now. The blood of Jesus wash over you right now. Through his broken body, yours is made whole in Jesus' name. Through his blood poured out, we have life. We can have a relationship with him. Until he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand here in the power of Christ. I'll stand here in the power of Christ. We'll stand. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into a community, or join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to continue to do. The best is yet to come.